you're a veteran or military spouse of an early stage startup or small business and feel like you're making it up as you go, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Transition, where we demystify the entrepreneur experience for veterans and military spouses who've already made or are looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the voice of The Bunker. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Labs branding team. On this episode of The Transition, I sat down with Brandon Hunter, an Army veteran and founder of Rogue, an app that connects consumers to the small business market focused on minority, women, and veteran-owned businesses. Through Rogue, Brandon and his team are building a social commerce platform to address the problems that many small businesses face when marketing their products and services online, with the moonshot goal of ending the imbalance in consumer spending for small businesses in the U.S., Rogue was initially established in 2017 and was incubated at the University of Texas at Austin's Entrepreneurship Graduate Program. I first came across Brandon and Rogue during the Veterans in Residence pitch competition in February of this year, where he took home second place and walked away with $15,000 in grant money. On the transition, Brandon opens up about what led him to initially found the company, the challenges he's faced raising capital, and the lessons he's learned along the way. Whether you run a tech startup or not, there's valuable insight in this episode for all entrepreneurs within the Bunker Lab ecosystem. Now, before we hear from Brandon, I'm excited to announce we've launched a newsletter for the transition on Substack, a new tech platform that lets writers and podcasters build community with their audience. One of the reasons I decided to do this is to give you all the ability to leave comments on the podcast, as well as answer questions you may have about your own ventures. I release a newsletter once a week on Tuesday mornings with actionable tips and advice you can apply to your venture. I would love for you to subscribe at the link in the show notes and let me know what topics you'd like me to cover either on the show or write about in the newsletter. In addition, if you're interested in contributing to the newsletter with a post, shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org. I dropped a newsletter this week that explains the different strategies for launching a small business versus a startup and I'm already anxious about next week's drop. So subscribe and check it out. This episode of The Transition is brought to us by the MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. In addition, the foundation also provides mentorship and financial health resources to veterans and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show and that accelerates you on your own entrepreneurial journey. Brandon, what's going on, my brother? Welcome I'm, to the bunker. I'm good, Mike. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we How got are you? Another, I'm good. We got another Army veteran on here, but we're going to let him make it, you know? Yeah, you're going to let me make it this time, huh? You weren't, you weren't, <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't handle the Marines, huh? No, no, y'all, y'all too much. One of my instructors was a Marine, so I was thankful oh. after that experience that I didn't go Marine. Yeah, what was your MOS in the Army? <laughs> I was a, I was 13 off of field artillery. What's a 13 field artillery? Artillery, got officer, you. Officer, field artillery officer, yeah. All right. Well, Brandon has been hitting me up for a minute trying to get on the transition. Uh, yeah. I actually first came yeah. across him at the uh, – the it was a Bunker Labs pitch competition, and yes. uh, Brandon and Rube took second place. I think you walked mm-hmm. away with – was it 15,000? Yeah, I walked away with 15. Put it right back in the Rube. Put it right back in. So um, – 
man, I'm excited to get you on the platform. And so I'll, I'll ask you like I do all my guests. Just take a moment to introduce yourself to everyone. All right. All right. So everyone, my name is Brandon Hunter and I'm the founder of Rogue. It's a marketplace for shoppers to discover unique products and services for minority-owned businesses in our local communities. Now, my military background, I was a field artillery officer, and I also worked a little bit at West Point, uh, recruiting for the diversity at admissions. Brandon, I need your help, man. Like I said on this podcast, you can help me recruit some young enlisted you know, that's one of the things I've been, you know, people have been asking me about on this podcast is yeah. you're so much of a, you know, senior enlisted or officers or people mm-hmm. a little bit older. But I really want to also provide space for those uh, young transitioning veterans. You know, so I'm going to need your help to, to, to get them on this platform as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think the more that they see us doing what we're doing, you'll get that traction from the younger generation. I'm, I'm noticing that in some of the pitch tish competitions that I've been in as well. I think it's also kind of ties into the kind of self-selection kind of process, you know, with a lot mm-hmm. of these programs or whatever. Um, anytime you're kind of running an incubator program, I serve youth and young adults in Newark, New Jersey. I yeah. could put all the market in the materials. I can shoot the videos, but that oh, is yeah. not what hits with them. You know, it's still grassroots, word of mouth. You got to get out there, go yeah. to the park make them sign up right there on the spot. And so part of me wonders it's the same thing with our, you know, our young enlisted, right? Like it's, you know, a lot Mm -hmm. of stuff that's common term to us as we transition, um, you know, got a little experience, got the college background, et cetera. We're looking for something a lot different than I think those that are may have not gone to school and they're just transitioning right out. And so part of it is like a branding issue and making sure that we are, you know, communicating in a way that shows them like, Hey, Bunker Labs and all these other incubator programs and these these pitch competitions available to veterans, that includes you. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think what I've noticed, and I've been observing labs for a few years, but it takes time. It takes time to build that loyal following. It takes time for that loyal following to convert. Right? Uh, so so but what I've seen over time is is that Bunker Labs has built their user base and now those people are actually engaging. And so in terms of getting more young people on there, I think we're at the right time right now, right? We are in a, in a situation where more young people are considering being entrepreneurs because of the job market, right? So they're looking for platforms, tools, organizations that are going to help them do that. And so this is a really good opportunity for for you all to re- recruit for those younger younger people. Don't say y'all. This is we. We're a community. I'm so doing it already. Yeah, everybody that's listening, right? We want to create amazing opportunities for the veteran and military spouse uh, entrepreneurial ecosystem. Yeah. It's on us. And this is why I say on all these podcasts, if you just share this with one person in your network who you yeah. feel can benefit, will grow organically. And the same thing for these young enlisted, right? Those of y'all that are tuning in, you come across some young e-dog. I'm a Marine. We call them e-dogs, right? You come across some, some come across some young e-dog, you know, that, that doesn't know what to expect. He's just getting out. His yeah, first sergeant's yeah. beating him up. What you going to do? <laughs> you know, when you get out. Yeah, man, yeah and that was something. Ass. Yeah, you know, and that was something, even as an officer, you know, I was challenged with just trying to figure out where I fit in, where I belong after I transitioned out of the military. And at that time, 
there weren't a lot of people pushing tech and innovation. And I think that's something that military people can easily adapt to because, you know, we're so used to change all the time, you know, getting up, going here, uh, the plans change, the missions change. So, you know, I think it's a, a good field to consider for veterans. Yeah. And one thing I appreciate you saying just about how like you kind of had your issues with transitioning too, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of successful veteran entrepreneurs I meet, you know, officers as well. They mm-hmm. struggle too. You yeah. know, so it's not this yeah. position. I don't want people to think that just like, oh, because you're an officer or whatever, like you don't go through your struggles. Everyone yeah. kind of has their struggles kind of finding that place, right? Yeah. But so we got to do a, a, I'm on a mission to get these voices out here. And I think entrepreneurship is a great place to land. And, uh, I'm excited to have you on to kind of even talk about this. And, yeah. you know, one of the things we're going to do, like with all our guests is, Brandon, man, I need you to take off your armor. Let us take know. Take off my armor. Yeah. Let us know what you're struggling with, either personally or professionally, as an early stage founder of Rook. Yeah. So let me take this armor off real quick. So what am I struggling with professionally and personally? I think professionally, for me, I've struggled with just finding the right space to fit in. You know, when I was working for companies, which is part of the reason why I I, I kind of started Rude, it allowed me to still put work into something while still trying to figure out what I really wanted to do. And the challenge for me professionally has been really working full-time with another company. Um, and also you know, staying on track with the current skill sets and then and, and, and gaining new skills while I'm out here, you know, building this company. So those are kind of the areas I've, I've struggled in professionally. Now for personal, for the personal issues, I think that's been a little bit of an imposter syndrome, which kind of plays into some of the skills that I was talking about earlier. Um, but, but also entrepreneurship can be very lonely, you know, when you're working with your concepts, even though people are around you and you're hearing good things, you can still be in a space by yourself. And so that's something I've had to come to terms with and and be okay with, um, particularly where I'm at right now, because it takes some time for people to catch on to your concepts and your ideas and what you're doing. And so just because you don't hear anything or just because they don't say anything doesn't mean that it's not bad doesn't mean it's good either but at the same time you still just have have to keep working man i appreciate you sharing and i'm gonna take off my armor too and something i've been struggling with lately is uh you know i thought i was done with imposter syndrome right like i even wrote a whole essay i write every morning y'all and i wrote an essay called death to the imposter and i took it you know i was like i'm over imposter syndrome but then you start setting new goals for yourselves mm-hmm. and they get more audacious and it challenges you again, you yeah. know? And one of the things that I've been struggling with is soundtracks in my head. And I got the name from a book by, I think it's uh, John Acorn or Jeff Acorn. He wrote a book called Soundtracks. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he references is that sometimes we can have negative soundtracks playing in our head. Like I'm not good enough or, you know, you're, you're not, you're not, you're not smart enough, or you don't have this skill set, or, you know, your life is hard, like all this kind of stuff that you'll have in your head when you're going through this, like, you know, entrepreneurial journey, or just like life in general. And one of the things he tells you is like, replace those soundtracks, 
You know, mm-hmm. something as simple as like, no matter how challenging life is, instead of saying like, woe is me, you know, you flip it and you have some plan in your head. Like my life is dope. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It talks about how like we're so quick to beat ourselves up mentally. And it's so hard to speak positivity about ourselves, like in the mirror or in the other people. Mm-hmm. And when you're younger, it looks like arrogant. I mean, there's a balance, right? Cognitiveness yeah. and arrogance. But man, as I'm getting older and especially as I'm like an entrepreneur, I realize, like, yo, we don't talk about ourselves the best. No, no, and it, the the culture, you know, it's uh it's all about the, like you said, the hustle. Like, you know, if you're not going through it, are you really doing it? You know, I think that plays a part in, to the psychological aspect of. But you know, even with my experience, I found myself at a certain point not being happy with anything, not even the small wins. And that's when I had to step back. You know, my family talked to me, my friends talked to me, and it's like, hey, this is this is good. You're doing, you're making progress. And sometimes you have to step outside to to see that and to realize that. And that can help you recalibrate. Uh but that's that's basically what what I dealt with for, for a little bit, you know, not being so overwhelmed or feeling overwhelmed that I didn't enjoy the experience at all. Now it doesn't mean that I didn't I didn't enjoy the mission, but I think I got to a point where I, I just did too much and, and was tired. And I think it's okay to be, to be okay with taking breaks. Yeah. You know? Sometimes you got to slow down, get that mental, right. Get that physical, right. Get back in the gym, yeah. go on the walk. But I want yeah. our listeners to understand what Brandon just said. And I'm telling you, like I'm experiencing it too, where you'll find yourself in these like ruts. where just like, you can't celebrate anything. But it, it goes back to like those soundtracks we play in our heads. And so, yeah. you know, flip those soundtracks, man. Like I know yeah. everybody talks about the woo-woo, you know, the positive affirmations and all this stuff. And you can knock it. But instead of saying that stuff doesn't work, how about saying mm-hmm. something like, I'll give it a try. Yeah. You know? Or what's the worst that can happen? That's the yeah. example of flipping the soundtrack. Um, and I, I, Brandon, I I've been there, man. Yeah. You find yourself in these little phases where it's like it's like an ebb and flow. You know, mm-hmm. one day you're on top of the world, you're excited, you get the pitch grant, you know, you win the pitch, yeah. you're all happy. The next yeah. day you mess up something for a client. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I suck at life. <laughs> yeah, it's always something. So I think that's another thing I've I've been able to kind of come to terms with. Like, you know, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, you know, something's going to be coming up. You know, the other day we were getting ready for the Black Men Founders pitch the morning of. And the website just went down because of a security certificate. And so I was frustrated, but we were able to fix it. But but all of that, even though we had checked the certificates, you know, somehow we missed it. But it just shows you that you can't call it. Yeah. You just got to be ready to, re- to react and respond. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And so what we're going to do, though, I got to go ahead and give a shout out to what brought us here today. Before we do a deep dive into your story, Brandon, is our recognized Bunker Labs, a national network of veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs dedicated to helping the military connect community start their own businesses. We know that we're committed to seeing that every entrepreneur in the military connected community has the network tools and resources they need. 25% of transition service members want to start a business and they need places inside their community where they can connect with the resources, people and support they need. You can learn more by visiting www.bunkerlabs.org 
Be sure to also register for Bunker Online, our social network for the military connected community where Bunker Lab staff helps make connections to increase your opportunities. You can register today by clicking the connect button at bunkerlabs.org. Now, Brandon, you're a veteran in residence alumni, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I am. Yeah. Uh, what cohort was that? Houston? Uh, Dallas, 21A. Oh, okay, Dallas. How was yeah. that experience for you? It was a really, really awesome experience. We started the beginning of 2021, which we're already doing a pandemic. So we initially met each other virtually. I was able to meet um, one of my uh, cohort teammates at WeWork, um, but but everyone else I only saw on video. But in that whole time frame, we all were managing our business, dealing with personal challenges, and personal growth, personal successes, and we shared those among each other. And that made it feel like I had a family and I had a diverse family. You know, I had, you know, women, white men, black, black people. So it was really diverse for me to be around so many entrepreneurs. It was a diverse um, environment. Now, at the same time, we worked together. You know, I made some introductions. People made introductions for me. And over the last six months, that's worked together to now where we're all working together. You know, I've added some of those veteran businesses to the Rogue app, right? And they've introduced me to people who have been interested in potentially investing. And so, so, so the whole program brings about camaraderie. Brings a, It helps you realize that you really do have a family within the veteran network. And it also shows you how strong the network is in terms of resources and, and being able to make meaningful connections for you and your business. Yeah, man, it, it's it's something I'll tell you is like uh, just being around other entrepreneurs. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people don't really have a network. You know, that's the other aspect. Like you kind of jump that's out ridiculous. there. It's not like we're all in Silicon Valley if you're an early no. stage tech founder. You know, and if you're launching a small business, who do you really know? A lot of people move back to their hometowns or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it is great to kind of have that veterans and residents experience, bringing yeah. all the entrepreneurs of like mind into one group or one cohort, and then just being able to build and grow and learn from each other for six months. And for a lot of people, you know, it's a big stepping stone for them because yeah. some that might be their only incubator program ever, or it might be the first one to a, a line of many. I know it was, yes. I think it was like my second one um, for me, yeah. after Stanford Ignite, but that was oh, like nice. True, okay. That was a true one where like people had their companies and, you know, it's been a, a uphill ever since. Since, yeah. And I want to apologize, man. I said, I've been saying rogue and you said it's rogue, right? Well, yeah. I So people go back and forth. When I first started that, I called it rogue, but most people say rogue. So I've been okay with that. But I tried to make sure that I pronounce it the right way, which is rogue. Rogue. So it's rogue. Yeah. So Brandon, um, take us back, man. How, how did you become an entrepreneur? You know, what was your, what was that transition like for you? from the military to, you know, being a founder? Yeah, so the transition for me happened around 2014, end of 2014. And when I got out of the military, the Army, um, I got the opportunity to work for Unilever. So I worked for them for about two years um, in demand planning 
in supply chain e-commerce. At the same time, I was helping a few people on the side with startups, you know, just kind of tapping into the area. And I got opportunity to work for a startup in New York City. So I went, I left Unilever, crazy. Uh, And then I went and worked for them. Short-lived. It didn't last long, but it taught me a valuable lesson. Um, Number one, about just taking a chance on something you want to do, which is what I did. And also being able to rebound if things don't necessarily go the way it's planned. And so once I I left that startup, that's when I started to work on Rube more. I had started to conceptualize it for a while, but I started to actually put it on paper, do my research, ask questions. And that was around, you know, 2016, 2017. And once I started to work on that, I moved to Dallas, the Dallas area. And then I got into the Macomb School of Business. And in their program, particularly, it was an entrepreneurship program called the MSTC program. And that's where I brought all the work that that I had done to the program. And we started to really add more to Rug. I added teammates and really just got a lot of positive feedback and healthy criticism from from people who knew how to launch and start businesses. And so that was where um, we kind of got our second win. And Rug was basically reborn again. So for all of our non-MBA types, the Macomb School of Business is at the University of Texas, Austin. That's a, you know, I'm a, I'm, I didn't go to A&M, right? I'm from College Station. I feel like I'm an Aggie at heart. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm going to say University of Texas is like the second best school in Texas with A&M. All right, all right, all right. But, <laughs> but so one of the things that you said was, because I think this is a good takeaway for our listeners. When you started to go work for another startup, and as you start to look back on your experience with, you called it Rue, by the way, <laughs> Rue. I know, I've been saying it so much. Um, do you think that was valuable, getting that like OJT train and working at another startup before you decided to launch your own? Absolutely, absolutely. Because it gave me perspective of how much it truly takes to, to launch, start a company, and then to, and to keep it running. Because there's so many different stages of that. And, you know, you, you, need, you need manpower. You need funding. You know, you, it's just so many things you have to bring together in order for everything to operate smoothly. And so I got to see that from an operations manager perspective. I was able to see how the CEO worked with everybody. And also how all of that affected the hourly workers, right? So I got a, a large perspective of how how things were done well and how things could be done better. So that's a teachable moment for our listeners, man. Don't be afraid to get paid to learn. You understand? Yeah. Right? Like, And sometimes it's not going to be like the full salary you expect somewhere else. But that getting behind the scenes in the industry that you're going into that that knowledge is super valuable, especially if you're able to get it, you know, right, on right, OJT. Right. That's something you can tuck in yeah. your sack, in your tool sack right now and say, "Hey, man, uh, you know, I want to start a business in this industry. Where can I, you know, work part time or where can I get an internship?" And then yeah. don't, don't 
look at that as something negative. Look at that as, hey, I'm I'm building up this skill set. Yeah, and, and building up your resume. Yeah, because that's that- where it is. You know, tech is the new frontier. I'm a I'm a small business guy myself, but I just I'm gonna let you make it on the tech. But you're you're right. Everybody has everybody kind of has a, a tech component now. Um, but I, well, I you know I think I I'm saying that just from a skill perspective. You know, even when they have discussions on hiring engineers now, they don't necessarily need your need you to have a a college degree, right? You just have to have the skills to do the work. So if you're smart enough to be a programmer. And you can go in there and code the best website or app with no degree. They still going to hire you because you can do good work. So it just shows that the the landscape is changing. And so I think it's important. And this goes back to the youth we were talking about earlier to understand that they need some type of tech background, whether it's coding, understanding innovation, right, or leading a team of engineers or support technicians. These are all things that you, that we have to start thinking about more often. We'll be troubleshooting everything because it's automated. <laughs> no, you you know what? You're, you're spot on. And one thing I'll tell you is that when I was volunteering with Bunker Labs and working with WeWork as well, mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about Google Docs and all these project management tools and all, all that of it. But it definitely was a game changer getting in there, getting that OJT and uh, applying it in my own own venture. So I will say own that. You know? Yes. And which and with your business, it's the uh, the boxing. Ironman Iron boxing. boxing. Right? Yeah, Ironbound yeah. boxing. Ironbound boxing. Yes. I think I added you. <laughs> yeah, Ironbound boxing and I got this this agency Ironbound Media. Yeah, I thought I added you. I'm going to check again. But one of the things, too, you, you talked about, Brandon, was you went to business school. And I know a lot of people, you know, will think, oh, I'm transitioning out. They end up going to business school. But you were there and you started to take advantage of, like, all the entrepreneurship classes and programs, et cetera. Start to build out Rug, start to recruit your team members, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you graduated from business school, at what point did you decide? I mean, what was that next step for you with your, with your uh, startup? Were you like, I'm going in full time? I'm going to get a part-time or I'm going to get a full-time job. Talk to us. I, I feel like no matter what, it's full-time for me. It's always on my mind, even if I'm not actually working on it. But when I got out, I applied to a few jobs. Um, I didn't really get a pickup for most, but I did, I did get hired by the VA. But at the same time, I took the opportunity to throw myself into at the time, it was an accelerator called Mass Challenge. And so I took the opportunity to go through that for a few months. And that's where where one of my team, main, team members came from. And so although I didn't work full time, I put myself into that program. It yielded me a very valuable teammate. You know, someone who had experience with small businesses, with tech already, which helped us move faster. So so that was kind of the experience when I graduated. I did an accelerator. I applied to a few jobs. I've worked part-time here and there for a few few people. And really just been working on on Rube. What year did you officially launch the the platform? So we officially launched on September 1st of 2020. So that's when we pushed the first version of our product. 
out into the Apple App Store. So it still had a small reach. We didn't do heavy promotion and marketing, but it gave us time to get feedback, you know, fix some of the things that we needed to fix and, and refine our design. And now we've expanded it because of the virtual mustard pitch competition, our winnings from that. Uh, we've been able to expand to the web and desktop and the Android phone. And so you can use the app on any mobile or web device now. And what year did you, if you were to say, okay, so you launched in 2020. Mm-hmm. If you had to say a, a year it was started, you came up with the idea, what year was that? The idea mm-hmm. came up when I was about 2016. And and so when I first started, it was it was focused on Black-owned businesses. It was Black businesses. And the more research I did, the more people I talked to, I realized that that I, I was going to have to pivot if I really wanted to accomplish the mission that we were working to accomplish. The reason I wanted to ask you that question is obviously the pandemic put a whole bunch of visibility on a lot of stuff. We also dealt yeah. with the racial unrest following the death mm-hmm. of George Floyd. And I just want to let our listeners know, like you have been focusing on this idea well before that, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's not like you're just kind of capitalizing on something. But the thing that's, no. that I find interesting too is that I'm interested, like why were you, you know, our businesses are an extension of ourselves in a lot of aspects. And there was something that drew you to wanting to create this marketplace for underrepresented yeah. uh, business owners. What was that? Why, where did that come from? Man, it's several experiences. So the first experience is when I was a kid, my first job was with a small business owner and he was black. And I worked for him for maybe a little bit over six months. But it was not until I was older that I realized that that experience was always in the back of my head growing up. I always telling myself, I want to own my own business. I want to be a businessman. And so something, the experience at that young age instilled in me the vision to want to own my own business. And that to me is powerful. And I think that that's another value that small business owners bring to their communities, right? When children go into the stores or they see you working on the lawnmower or building a shed, those are still good things to do. You can make a living off of, right? And, And so I think it just shows the true American way of life, right? Which is owning your business, you know, working, working, working hard and getting that, getting that money and going to take care of your family. So that was, that was my first experience. When I was living in New York, I ran into a beauty, like a beauty store. This young, young lady owned it. She's black. She had a lot of products owned by people of color. And I spent about $80 there. And when I came back, maybe two to three months later to get more products, excited to see her and talk to her about her business. It was closed. She hadn't been in business that long. Her physical store was closed. So she had to go to e-commerce. And that was another sign for me that there was a certain group of people, business owners, still struggling with their dreams. You know, they go, they go to school, they get the degree. They're, they're able to formulate and make their own products, organic products but they're not able to stay in business to sell it. And to me, that was a, 
that was an issue. Not only for them, but I enjoyed the products. I enjoyed supporting someone who looked like me, you know, in my community, in my neighborhood. And so that was another reason why I pushed to build something to bring more attention and awareness to these businesses. You're a black founder and we've seen a lot of stuff in the media about how hard it is for black founders to raise capital. I think black founders receive less than 1% of venture capital. Um, can you talk to us about your experience in trying to like raise funding, you know, for your platform, you know, given that you're a West Point grad, got your MBA, you know what I mean? So clearly you've got some little bit of business acumen. You started your own thing. You've worked at a startup, you know, so is, is there, what is your experience like with that? You know, my experience has been unique. I have been fortunate enough to have family and friends who've supported me along the way. But for the type of investment needed to really run a company like Rogue and any other startup, you're eventually going to need a substantial investment. And I think no matter what, that's where the challenge comes in. I think, you know, historically, the, the percentage itself shows you that there aren't many of us who successfully done it. So the investors are probably going to see us more as high risk. Uh and at the same time, you know, they they may not necessarily be familiar with how we do business. You know, I think the cultural aspect is something that has to be discussed as well. But in my experience in Austin, Dallas, New York, I've ran into people who are black, white, Asian, and they've all offered me help. You know, it hasn't been necessarily financial, but they've offered me help. Now, I think when it comes to raising the the big, the larger amount of funds, you know, those are the conversations that I'm preparing to have very soon. But for me, the challenge has really just been, you know, getting to the point of where the investors see the value and are comfortable in investing. And so unfortunately, even though I'm a black founder, there's still certain things that I have to accomplish before people will feel comfortable writing me a $250,000 check. Um, so I think that part of it is where you are in your business, uh, the market that you're in, um, and, and, and just having the right relationships and connections to connect with people who are actually going to write checks. Some of them will say they will, but they, they, they may take them a while or they may not do it. And so who is really ready to invest in the entrepreneurs of tomorrow? And I think that that's just something we ha- we'll, we'll see over the coming, the next few years. I just had to imagine that Rue had to get a lot of attention, you know, in the summer of 2020. Well, at least I would expect, you know. Yeah, well, in the summer of 2020, we weren't out. We had we didn't release until the the fall of 2020, September twenty twenty. So we people were reaching out to us, but we didn't have a platform out for them to utilize until after that. So we kind of came after that that peak of the whole social, the racial reckoning and every everything. One of the things I always wonder about tech founders. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's for our listeners as well, as well as you, Brandon, is 
let's say you weren't able to raise the capital you needed to build out the platform to scale, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. in tech, it's all about scale, scale, scale. You know, how would you still move forward with your venture in the absence of that big financial investment? Yeah. So, so far, it has been pitch competitions. And and that has helped us a lot. And we are preparing for a crowdfunding campaign with IgniteSocialImpact.com. So they've been working with us, and our goal is to raise a minimum of 10K and a max of $1 million. And so if we can't get it from the institutional investors, we'll see if there are people out there who like us enough that will help us raise enough funding to continue to build this platform. Is there a way for the business model to work without an investment, though? Like without like yes, it just takes longer. Yeah, it just takes longer. So it just takes longer. But you know, sometimes you never know. A few of the apps that have come out recently have, you know, just taken off. Um, I I think there's a few features that we still need to add. Um, And but I also think that our growth is slightly different. We're going after diverse groups, and so our messaging is going to have to be creative. Right. It's going to have to be able to cover all of those affinity groups to let them know that that we need them to use this platform. Can you explain to everybody how the, the, the business model actually works for Root? So in terms of like how you guys yes. would actually generate revenue? Yes. So right now we are working in three areas for revenue. That's consulting. And we work with other businesses with their business plans and strategies. And we validated that. We've gotten some bookings for that. And then our paper ad, and that will be within our app. And so if you have a business profile, you want to promote your product, your service, or anything, um, you would pay us to do that on our platform and reach out to, to reach out to our customer. And so and so those are two of the three. And the third one, as we continue to build will be a commission from in-app purchases where we're able to drive and capture those purchases for those business owners through our app. So we're right now validating three revenue channels. We validated two of the three. You keep saying the term we, and I've heard you mention like team, right? How, who is on your, who's on your team? Who's leading this thing? I know. So I have a really diverse team. Uh, three of them came through the McCombs School of Business, our MSTC program, and that's uh, Jesse Santana, and he's the head of product. Um, I have Ibrahim Diko. He's uh, over our information technology. Uh, Gitsika Patak, and she has, helps us with our marketing. And I'll go, and, and also Sagan Aklalu. Uh, she's a startup founder um, as well, uh, and she also just got into Duke. So my, th- she's from Eritrea. Uh, Gitsika is Indian. Uh, Jesse's Puerto Rican. And Ibrahim is Nigerian. And so I think that even in building our team, we've represented a diverse group of people that align with our mission. I forgot what I was going to say, but your CTO Right? Do you have a CTO? Mm-hmm. How does who's yeah, so, at the head of product? 
Yeah, so our head of product right now is our CTO, but we use a company that we outsourced um, that helped us build the initial version of our product. And so we ultimately want to bring somebody in-house. So, you know, we've been looking for our CTO and, and people to fill those roles. Um, so, but, you know, that also takes time. You got to get to know the person before you bring them on and things like that. And so until then, though, our product guy is 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 building and designing and making sure that we have a really solid product. Yeah, the reason I was asking is like as a, one of the things I love about these platforms and my work with Bonker and just entrepreneurs in general is that even though I'm not a tech co-founder per se, right, mm -hmm. um, I'm very well read. And one of the things I keep hearing is that how important it is to have that kind of CTO, you know, someone yeah. that can speak to, hey, this is how the product is built. This is how all that kind of stuff, because that is a big yeah. expense. And so for listeners that are tuning in, you just gave them a great option of if you don't have that co-founder, that technical co-founder in your team, there are companies out there that people outsource that function to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, sometimes that, depending on what you're working on, that may be the quickest and the easiest way to just get your product out to see how people respond to it. Um, in some cases that are where where your product is probably centric on your IP and the design on the back end, you may want to bring in your own CTO just to protect a lot of that. But but yeah, the it's important to be able to work both ways, with or without a CTO. I think because of technology and how it's progressing, you don't necessarily have to have one um, for a little bit. You know, you can you can go go a little bit without one. But we're going to need one. How has the traction been on your end? I know you mentioned before that you've got revenue coming in and everything, but you know, yeah, about like the tech ecosystem. I know one thing these investors always want to see is that, like that traction. You know, being able to come in and like, oh, we got a, a hundred thousand people signed up. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're not at a hundred thousand yet. We have about a house. We have about a thousand signed up. Uh, we have an average of about. 28 monthly users from our app, from our Apple app, which is, I think is good. Um, just because we haven't done a lot of aggressive marketing. So we have people who are loyal to the concept of actually engaging the businesses on this, on this profile. And so I think it just shows our potential right now. So we have over 2000 impressions. Um, we have maybe six to 700 product page views for, for the products that we've posted in there. So that's, that's a good sign. We just have to do it more aggressively and we have to expand our user base. Yeah, no, man. And kudos to you for that, getting that traction. I know how hard it is. You know, everybody thinks. Oh, we're still working on it. But when you yeah. launch to get people to permission, you know, Seth Godin calls it permission marketing, you know, yeah. people that actually will put their email in and sign up. That's a, that's and all of that, all of that, man. So kudos to you. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been working on a few things, you know, from a marketing perspective with news articles, local organizations, um, and just trying to push some video content out there as well. And it, it's helping. As you look towards the future for you and your team, what does it look like? And what is y'all's in particular, what does your BHAG look like? That big, hairy, audacious goal, you know, first coined by uh, Jim Collins and good to great. I would say right now, and going back to what we were just discussing, I 
our big hairy audacious goal is three million users. Three million users. I'll say, yeah, I want it. I want at least that. But we have we have big goals though. You know, as we build this app out, we will be providing unique data to business owners, um, insights. That's something that will be very helpful to them. Uh, we are also working on some strategic partnerships as well. And so, and, and some of them is with like communities, inner city uh, initiatives. So, so, you know, I'm hoping that at a certain point, we have the users we want, the strategic partnerships we want, and our product is operating on its own and generating that revenue for those business owners. So as we close out, we've got listeners tuning in from all over the country, all over the world. As somebody yeah. who's in the hustle of an early stage startup, what advice will you ha- do you have for our listeners about, you know, navigating that early stage? You know, you've raised a little bit of money, friends and family, you've won some pitch competitions. Yeah. So you might have not reached stratospheric success yet. But I know we have listeners that are tuning in, you know, will want to be in the seat that you're in, or they're also, you know, just trying to figure it out. You know, what, what entrepreneurial advice would you, would you give to them? I would give to them to research your market, understand what you're getting into, identify your customers, and have fun with creating and building your product. Make it fun. I will also say you need a team. A lot of people try to do it alone, but having a team really, really helps. So always try to build a team to build your business. And be persistent. You're gonna have some good days, in some bad days. Um, but don't quit. If you truly believe in what you're doing, if it's for a good cause, if it's helping people, you know, stay the, stay the course. Brandon, those are great words of wisdom. And how can we as a community, those that are tuning in, how can we help you? Oh, that's a great question. You can help me and Rogue by downloading the app checking out the businesses, seeing if you like their products, sharing it with your friends and family, and also checking out our crowdfunding campaign. Check out our crowdfunding campaign at ignitesocialimpact.com. If Brandon, you send me those links, I'll be sure to put them in the show notes before we release this episode. And uh, all y'all that are tuning in, again, one of the reasons we do this platform is to share lessons learned. This is peer-to-peer learning, Right. You can, you know, I don't want y'all to feel like you're going at it alone. Brandon just talked to you about how lonely it is being an entrepreneur. I'm telling you, I know how lonely it is to be an entrepreneur. At the very least, what we can do to support you all is to get these voices and to get this knowledge on this platform. That way we can deliver it to you all. So uh, again, Brandon, man, we appreciate you coming on the platform. We'll be sure to share the links in the show notes. For everyone else that's tuning in, do me a favor and go ahead and hit that subscribe button on the transition on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever listening service you're using today. I'd greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this podcast with at least someone, with at least one person, not someone, with at least one person in your network. 
who you feel could benefit from this information. You heard me and Brandon talking about um, when we first opened up this episode, the importance of getting the younger transitioning uh, veteran community into the entrepreneurial ecosystem. I think it's a great way to do it. So uh, again, I'm looking for those young uh, transitioning veterans that are looking to get into entrepreneurship. So if you come across one of them, you know, see them in the PX or see them out at Walmart, stop them, tell them to check out the podcast. Uh, Make sure you get plugged into the Bunker Lab ecosystem if you're not already by visiting www.bunkerlabs.org. Just select the city nearest to you, sign up for one of the local newsletters, and attend one of our networking events. It's that simple. From there, get connected to Bunker Online. We can learn about our many different programs to support your entrepreneurial journey. We have programs that will take you from idea to invoice, incubate you, and position you to grow alongside other founders and CEOs. Register today by clicking the connect button at bunkerlabs.org. Brandon, thanks again for being with us. Until next time, Mike, thank you for the opportunity. (laughs) Appreciate you, my man. Until next time, everyone, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week.